welcome to Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. I'm Pastor Michael Lilienthal, and we are in a new season of the church year. Uh, really, it's a new mini-season. Uh, depending on where you are, what tradition you follow, this is the continuation of the Epiphany season, or it is the beginning of the Lent season. Uh, the latter is far less common, uh, but what we uh, call it in uh, the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Synod, uh, in, in our tradition, and in uh, an old Lutheran tradition as well as a very old Christian tradition, it's the pre-Lent season. Uh, it's sometimes called uh, the sm uh, a small general season as well. Um, it comprises three Sundays, exactly three Sundays, uh, before Ash Wednesday. It's, it, it, that's, that's the best way to think of it. It's the three Sundays before Ash Wednesday, which itself is um, 40 days, not including Sundays, before Easter. We'll talk about that 40 days uh, as we get into the Lent season itself. Um, and why it doesn't include Sundays. But for this pre-Lent season, these three Sundays prior, I've mentioned this on previous episodes, uh, counting backwards, so the Sunday before Ash Wednesday is Quinquagesima, um, which is Latin for 50. It's approximately 50 days before Easter. Sunday before that is Sexagesima, Latin for 60, approximately 60 days before Easter. And the Sunday before that, the Sunday we're going to be looking at in today's episode, is Septuagesima, Latin for 70, approximately 70 days before Easter. Uh, I'm going to read uh, from uh, Niles Lockie's uh, uh, devotion book, The Book of Family Prayer, on what he has to say about this pre-Lent season. Uh, and he's got a, a quote here uh, right at the beginning. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, the idea here is to be, be ready to hear Christ as he comes. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to read his little paragraph here. It's on page 162 in uh, this book by Lockie. This period of the church year is our narthex, our entrance into the season of Lent a time for us to pause before we begin our pilgrimage to Calvary and the empty tomb. The names of the three Sundays in this mini-season are markers telling us about how many days there are until our celebration of Easter. Septuagesima, 70, Sexagesima, 60, and Quinquagesima, 50. Each of the three Sundays focuses on one of the three solas of Lutheranism. The first week we will hear how we are saved by grace alone, sola gratia. The next week of Scripture alone, sola scriptura, and finally we consider the importance of baptism and how we are saved by faith alone, sola fide. And that's uh, very key too. I'm going to interrupt before this last sentence. Uh, for quinquagesima, uh, it's it's very common also uh, to not follow the propers for quinquagesima, but instead to follow the propers for the baptism of Jesus on that day. And the two are are linked uh, thematically, that, that faith alone and uh, the, the concept of baptism, looking at Christ's baptism. And this year we are going to celebrate that as uh, the, the Sunday of the baptism of our Lord. But we'll talk about that in, um, I guess, two more episodes uh, when we get to quinquagesima slash uh, the baptism of our Lord. But the last sentence of this paragraph by Lockie, with our eyes focused on how God works to save us, we are prepared to enter the penitential season of Lent. I like that uh, depiction as um, the narthex here. Uh, think of a, a church building, a traditional church building. Uh, the sanctuary uh, is is made up of, of two portions, commonly called the chancel and the nave. Uh, the nave would be where the people sit uh, and, and face forward towards the altar, and the altar sits in the chancel, uh, the elevated portion uh, of the sanctuary where, uh, you know, the pastor moves around mostly. 
Uh, but then outside the nave, behind where the people sit, uh, sometimes through some doors, sometimes it's just a, an open threshold. We have a, a set of double doors at the back. Um, that's the narthex, and you can think that's where the coats are hung up, <laughs> usually. That's where the guest book is. Um, I've described it for um, my catechism students that the narthex is where we talk to one another, and we exercise uh, especially obedience to the second table of the law, that is, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, while in the nave, uh, that's where we exercise obedience to the first table of the law, uh, love God. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Um, so that uh, the narthex idea here is we're preparing to enter the sanctuary. So what do we do while we're out in the nave? Uh, you know, we shake hands with one another. We sign the guest book uh, or we register for communion. We hang up our coats. Uh, taking off the, the outer clothing that we wear in the outside world and, and come into uh, our baptism again. We, we come in repentance uh, forward, which is what Lent is all about. So we're preparing for that too. And as we do that, we hear all of these um, kind of core things, the, the solas of the Reformation, uh, the solas of Lutheranism, sola gratia, sola scriptura, sola fide, um, that, that forms a, a foundation for us as we come into the sanctuary, uh, and we're going to hear more of the details as we as we move forward here. So, yes, we are coming up now to the Sunday uh, of Septuagesima. That will be on February 9th, uh, and uh, that's, like I said, about 70 days prior to uh, Easter. It's not exactly 70 days, but it's, it's pretty close. So we're going to go through uh, the propers for Septuagesima, starting with the introit. Uh, the intro at Forceptuagesima is as follows. The pangs of death encompassed me. The sorrows of hell surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and he heard my voice from his temple. Uh, so, yes, we're, we're starting um, very strongly here, I think, uh, with this idea of the pangs of death, the sorrows of hell, floods of ungodliness distress is how it's all summed up here. We're, we're surrounded with this distress, with this difficulty. Uh, and, but then we say here that, uh, I called upon the Lord and he heard my voice from his temple. Think of it again in terms of us being in the narthex here. We're, we're out there out. The narthex is kind of that, that threshold, that, uh, division between, um, uh, the, the, the sanctuary and the outside world. It's, it's right there in between. Uh, and we're, we're right out there in that, uh, the, the temple courts, so, so to speak. Uh, but God is inside the temple itself, and he hears us even out in those temple courts. Um, I forget who, who said it. It might, uh, it's from one of my books. I don't know if it's, um, Paul Lang's book, uh, Ceremony and Celebration, or from, uh, Fred Lindemann's, uh, four-volume set, uh, on the Sermon and the Propers. But one of those said that somewhere along the lines, um, the, the Christian church here at one point did start with Septuagesima. That was the first Sunday of the church here rather than, uh, the first Sunday of Advent. And you can kind of see why that would be. Uh, we're starting by looking towards Easter, which is the, the first Christian festival, Easter. You know, that's why we worship on Sunday. I'm giving you a spoiler about why, uh, Sundays and Lent don't count towards the 40 days. But every Sunday is is Easter. That's why we worship on Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. 
uh, we don't observe the Sabbath anymore. That's that's done away with. That's accomplished in Christ. But we do have a time to worship together, and we've elected Sunday as Christians. That's that's the oldest Christian tradition to to get together on Sundays for our special worship uh, to recall Easter. So if we start the year looking toward Easter, that's a very natural Christian thing to do. Uh, so we start here with this this idea of this narthex as we're coming into the sanctuary, coming forward um, toward the temple. We're, we're going towards God. We need his salvation. We need that rescue. And so we're calling to him as we're approaching uh, the sanctuary. And we know that in that sanctuary, he does hear us. Um, so yes, this uh, intro, it uh, comes especially from Psalm 18. Um, as as most uh, introits do come from Psalms, this one is from Psalm 18. I want to jump right away then uh, into looking at the collect for Septuagesima uh, and, and see how these uh, tie together here. Uh, Septuagesima's collect is collect number 32 uh, on page 151 in the hymnary. O Lord, we beseech you favorably to hear the prayers of your people, that we who are justly punished for our offenses may be mercifully delivered by your gracious goodness, for the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Um, there, there's, a, there's a very key admission in here that we are justly punished for our offenses. And that acknowledges a couple of things here. Number one, it acknowledges that we deserve the wrath of hell, but it is by grace that we are saved. That follows immediately um, after this. But also that when we face difficulties in life, we acknowledge there too that those are just. We we deserve that and worse. Uh, and so we can see that it's by God's grace that we aren't completely uh, overcome. That, that grace alone Grace alone is is very key with all of this. Uh, all right, I'm going to go on to the epistle lesson for Septuagesima, which uh, is is right over a chapter division in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 10:5. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 through chapter 10 verse 5. Do you not know that when runners compete in the stadium, they all run, but only one receives the prize? Run like that to win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable victor's wreath, but we do it for an imperishable one. That is why there is nothing aimless about the way I run. There is no pummeling of the air in the way I box. Instead, I hit my body hard and make it my slave so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be rejected. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all ate, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. He had them die in the wilderness. Um, you can you can tell that we're entering into the Lent season here, just about with uh, with this stuff, because that's uh, it, it's it's a harsh message. Uh, from Paul in in that epistle lesson, um, that uh, he he he's emphasizing that uh, you know if we want to win this race, if we want to achieve that prize, if we want to get to heaven, let's act like it. Uh, but keeping that tied to this theme of sola gratia, that we are saved by grace alone, he's not claiming that we win salvation by what we do, but rather that we show that we do actually want it. We, we do receive it by grace alone. That's, that's, that's undeniable. That's uh, beyond argument. Uh, God gives us that by his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, we just act like we want it. And he gives this example of the people of Israel uh, that, you know, they had their sacraments, uh, eating that spiritual food, drinking that spiritual drink. They had God's grace given to them. But the problem was they despised that grace. That's where we really see the connection here. Yes, we are saved by grace alone. Don't despise that grace. Uh, instead, see the, the true value of it and, and acknowledge what God does give to us uh, in the, the his word and, and these sacraments. Um, so, yes, the, the people of Israel, despite receiving God's grace, they rejected it. They, um, uh, I, I shouldn't say they received it. They were, they were, it was given to them, but they rejected it. Uh, they, they spurned it. So, um, many of them died, uh, in the wilderness. And that's an example to us. There's, there's this, uh, fun little, uh, tidbit here about, um, the baptism, uh, in the sea, baptism in the cloud, um, and then that eating and drinking of the spiritual food and spiritual drink. And it says uh, that rock was Christ. Uh, Paul says that rock was Christ. And you can remember that um, Moses caused water to come from the rock when he uh, struck it with his staff, according to God's command. Uh, and then there was another occasion where uh, he was to speak to a rock and water would come forth. Uh, and Jewish tradition held that it was the same rock that followed them through the wilderness. And there's even some art that, that shows some of that as well. And that... Um, what Paul says here seems to imply that that tradition is true, that that was the same rock that uh, gave water to them when Moses struck it, and then uh, it was to give them water again when he spoke to it. Of course, instead of speaking to it at that point, he struck it again. I, I heard another pastor once speak about this, this rock, uh, and what he said here was um, that uh, this, this is not totally off topic here. This, this relates to this whole idea of the grace that we receive and ought not to reject. That uh, when Moses struck the rock, that uh, reminds us of when Jesus was pierced in his side by the spear. And what came out of his side was water, like the water we receive in baptism, and blood, like the blood we drink in the Lord's Supper. So when Moses struck the rock, water came out for the people of Israel to drink. Um, and uh, you can think of uh, it referring back also to the, the water that... Uh, saved them in the, the, the Red Sea, which is described as a baptism here as well. But the question is, how many times was Christ crucified? How many times was he pierced in his side by a spear? And the answer is once. So when God told Moses to speak to the rock the second time, the emphasis there is the word and possibly prayer. Um, when Moses instead decided to strike the rock, what he was looking for was another uh, uh, aspect of, of, of glory, uh, another sacrifice, so to speak, uh, a, a repetition of that one-time gift uh, of God, rather than seeing that that gift, to, to put it uh, kind of um, cliche, in a cliche way, uh, keeps on giving. <laughs> um, and so we think of that in terms of Christ's crucifixion. He was crucified once. He doesn't need to be crucified again. No more sacrifices need to be given to think of the entirety of the epistle to the Hebrews. Instead, now we appeal to that one sacrifice that was already made. Jesus is our perfect intercessor before God. Uh, we speak to him and he speaks to us in his word and gives us those same gifts through his word and through the sacraments. And so Moses, being a preacher, all preachers then follow. We aren't priests. We aren't making sacrifices. We proclaim the word. We pray on behalf of the people and we speak the word on behalf of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so again, the idea is don't, don't spurn that gift 
Don't spurn the, the grace of God, even when it appears in humble ways, and you think, well, I should be doing something more magnificent. I should be um, offering a, a better sacrifice in order to, to get that grace. No, 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 no. Look where God gives it to you. Uh, and as the, the, the Gezima season will go on, uh, this pre-Lent season, as it, as it continues, we'll see the Word of God, Sola Scriptura, coming up as well, uh, as well as that emphasis on baptism, too. Uh, so, no, see how, how God gives you his grace in those means uh, and just receive those. Don't look for them anywhere else. Uh, all right, so that's uh, so far the epistle lesson here. Now we'll go on to the gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Jesus said, Indeed, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing to pay the workers a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. He also went about the third hour and saw others standing unemployed in the marketplace. To these he said, You also go into the vineyard, and I will give you whatever is right. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. When he went out about the eleventh hour, he found others standing unemployed. He said to them, Why have you stood here all day unemployed? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He told them, You also go into the vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with the last group and ending with the first. When those who were hired around the eleventh hour came, they each received a denarius. When those who were hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But they each received a denarius too. After they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were last worked one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have endured the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not make an agreement with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. I want to give the last one give to the last one higher the same as I also gave to you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Because I am generous. In the same way the last will be first, and the first last. The emphasis here is on the grace of the landowner. That what he offers is is a gift. It's it's what he offers, uh, and uh, the the people who thought they should get more were relying on really their own works, on what they thought they had earned, rather than seeing, you no, know, this is what was agreed upon for the first in in the first place. But also then seeing that this this is this is something that the landowner has given out of his own money. He could have agreed to give you nothing, <laughs> right? But he has chosen to to pay you this. Um, this, this denarius, uh, and uh, again, the emphasis is not, uh, on not spurning the gift. Don't spurn that grace. Uh, the grace that is given to us is a rich gift of God. Uh, and if we start to think it's not good enough, well, that's a very slippery slope. Uh, if we start to think, well, it should be, why, why don't I have more? You know, or, you know, I've endured this, this hard day, this scorching heat. I'm suffering with all of these various troubles. God, why don't you take this away? And then if that causes you to fall away from faith, what a, what a disappointing thing. What a, what a very sad, tragic thing uh, for, for whatever your trials and troubles are that cause you to lose your faith. That's, 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 that's so unfortunate um, because God gives you his grace even in that suffering. You know, think of Paul again, you know, run the race as, as though you're trying to win it. it it's not easy. Um, but you do have the victory. You do have the, the win already. It's there for you. 
That doesn't mean the race is going to be easy now, but it means that you can see that you already have the prize as you're running this race. These workers in the vineyard, they knew they were going to get their day's wages. That meant they were going to be able to feed their families. That meant they were going to, to be able to uh, buy some, some creature comforts for themselves. Uh, that meant that they were, they were taken care of. That meant they were safe and secure. Think of these these other people who sat around in the marketplace all day and had no one hire them all the way until the 11th hour. If they were paid, quote-unquote, fairly, they would not be able to feed their families. They would not be able to buy anything for themselves. They, they would have hardly anything. But to receive that money, that meant they were taken care of. That meant they were secure. This is grace. This this all this is 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 grace. Sola gratia, grace alone, and that's whereby we are are saved by grace alone. So that's the gospel lesson. I'm going to look at the Old Testament lesson now, which is uh, the uh, the sermon text, and and um, it's from the Old Testament lectionary again that we are continuing to follow this year, uh, and that is from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. I should add here at this point that this is uh, the, the last uh, Old Testament lesson from Genesis that we're going to have for, for the year. I, don't, I guess I don't think we go back to Genesis at all anywhere later. No, this is the last one from Genesis. Um, Genesis ends with chapter 50, of course. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, really interesting that we're, we're concluding Genesis now at this, this threshold uh, before we get into the Lent season. And then we're going through Exodus, uh, through, through Lent. Uh, until we get to uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy uh, at the at the end of, of Lent, uh, and then we get into uh, Joshua with Easter. I'm, I'm I'm spoiling a little bit of this, but um, Exodus being uh, this this whole idea of, of pe- the people of Israel in bondage, in slavery, uh, and crying out to God and waiting for deliverance. I mean, that's that's where we should be spiritually in Lent uh, is is calling out to God, crying as that intro it said. Um, that we're, we're in this, this great distress, but we know God answers from his sanctuary, from the temple. Um, so yes, we're, we're concluding, uh, Genesis now, uh, for our church here. We're in Genesis 50, 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and will pay us back in full for all of the evil that we did to him. They sent the following message to Joseph. Before he died, your father commanded us, you are to tell Joseph, please forgive the offense of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. Now please forgive the offense of the servants of God of your, the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down in front of him, and they said, see now, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring this to pass and to keep many people alive as it is this day. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will nourish you and your little ones. He comforted them and spoke to them in a kind way. We see grace again uh, here uh, on the the side of of Joseph offering this grace. Again, um, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, treated horrendously by his brothers so that his life was really a living hell for a little while there. But he sees how God sustained him through all of that. So Joseph himself is emphasizing the grace of God, and he says that starting there with that that sentence, am I in the place of God? Do I get to judge? Do I get to decide where God dispenses his grace and his forgiveness? Do I get to decide where God condemns, where God wreaks his wrath? No, look what God did for me. 
Look at the grace God provided to me. Look how God worked the evil that others did upon me. And I think here with Joseph, we see uh, a a Christ-like example as well, that when Christ was on the cross um, being crucified, being mocked, he said, Father, forgive them. He was seeing there too that the evil that they were causing against him was being used by God for good so that many people would be alive, as it is to this day, that uh, in Christ's death, we have life. That's what we should see here, that Joseph is pointing, the example of Joseph is pointing ahead to the, the paragon that is uh, Christ Jesus, the, the anti-type uh, of, of Christ, Joseph being a type of Christ. Um, so, and, and it's interesting here that the, the brothers try to be a, a little deceptive here. Um, pretty sure that uh, Jacob never said, uh, forgive your brothers, or, or never told the brothers, tell Joseph that I said to forgive you. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the brothers are, are, are always trying to play at these schemes. And again, they're trying to find grace in some way. But Joseph said, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. I don't know that Joseph knew that his father never said that. He was a smart guy, though. But it doesn't matter. He was going to offer them his forgiveness anyway. He, and he was going to speak to them in a kind way. He, he didn't begrudgingly answer you know he didn't say ah well i really wanted to get you but since dad said i guess i'll be nice no he was he was kind to them he he wept um and it doesn't say why he wept but uh it could be because he thought his brothers were still afraid of him and that uh that made him sad that no he's he's forgotten all of that he's forgiven all of that it's done it's gone he's accepted that that suffering had to occur that that difficulty had to occur in order to bring about salvation for many, for his family included. That's what Joseph is really highlighting here, that his family is saved because of the evil that befell him. Uh, so that's where we see this grace, this this absolute gift of Christ um, is what this is pointing to, that Christ suffered in order to bring us our salvation, to give us his life um, through his death. Okay, uh, I want to look at hymns here. The chief hymn for this day is hymn 227, which has 14 verses to it. They're all good. Uh, they, they are all absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's by um, uh, Sparatus, who was uh, Luther's uh, father confessor during the, the Reformation. Um, Salvation unto us has come. Uh, my, my four-year-old daughter knows the, the first verse by heart. Uh, she can sing it all the time. Um, and I think because of the nature of this uh, this Sunday, we will need to sing just about all of these verses, if not all of them. Let me think. Um, to divide this up, uh, 14 could divide it by, by 3, and you've got four verses apiece with two five-verse sections, and then there's room for one more hymn. That's that's one idea, uh, and it could be either a um, an opening hymn or a closing hymn, or... Perhaps uh, hymn number 226, uh, which is By Grace I'm Saved, uh, which I think is uh, a fairly familiar one for people. That one also has has 10 verses to it, um, so I'd have to select some verses there too. But um, uh, let me think here. All right, I think I've, I've figured it out. Um, we'll, we'll open with hymn number 227, verses 1 through 5, uh, which concludes with a little bit of a law note. Um, which is very appropriate for the Septuagesima um, Sunday as we as we are in this preparatory season for Lent. 
Um, the verse five says, uh, still all the law fulfilled must be else we were lost forever. Then God's his son sent down that he might us from doom deliver. He all the law for us fulfilled and thus his father anger stilled, which over us impended. Now I say it ended on a law note, which that, that verse does begin with that law note and then, uh, emphasizes that anger that impended over us. But the gospel is glimmering through here that Jesus fulfilled that law. The chief hymn then, um, by which I mean the, 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 what we'll sing before the sermon uh, will be verses 6 through 10 of the same hymn. Uh, As Christ hath full atonement made and brought to us salvation, so may each Christian now be glad and build on this foundation. Thy grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Thy death now is my life indeed, for thou hast paid my ransom. And it ends faith to the cross of Christ. Doth cling and rests in him securely, and forth from it good works must spring as fruits and tokens surely. Still, faith doth justify alone. Works serve thy neighbor and make known the faith that lives within thee. What's beautiful about this hymn is it does teach very accurately, very clearly, very fully the place of good works uh, in a Christian's salvation. Um, in uh, in the time of the Reformation, this, this phrase uh, came out. Um, uh, works are, um, oh, how is it? Uh, how is it phrased? Um, works are not necessary for salvation, but works are necessary. <laughs> um, that we are saved apart from works, but we still do good works. Um, so where exactly that falls. Uh, after the offering, then we sing uh, a hymn, and we're going to sing verses 11 through 14 of 227, uh, finishing it out, which uh, the last two verses of the hymn uh, do have the, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, verse 13, the first half says, uh, has a doxology, all blessing, honor, thanks, and praise to Father, Son, and Spirit, the God who saved us by his grace, all glory to his merit. And then after that doxology begins uh, the Lord's Prayer. At the last half of verse 13, O Father in the heavens above, the work begun performs thy love, thy worthy name be hallowed. Verse 14, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as tis in heaven. Keep us in life by grace, led on, forgiving and forgiven. Save thou us in temptation's hour and from all ills. Thine is the power and all the glory. Amen. Uh, so we'll sing that as the, the post-offering hymn. Then we've got um, some prayers and the benediction. Because, uh, again, we're following right one this Sunday without communion. Um, so abbreviated right one for the, the second Sunday of the month. And then we'll close with hymn 226 and we'll sing verses one through four. Um, verse four is a, is a great conclusion to it. We, it would be so good to be able to go on, but I don't want to overburden people with too much hymn singing. Uh, I know that can be uh, a lot uh, for, for some. Uh, so we'll we'll just end with verse four uh, for uh, from by grace I'm saved and verse four is by grace God's Son our only Savior came down to earth to bear our sin was it because of thine own merit that Jesus died thy soul to win nay it was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne uh, we close with that uh, sola gratia ringing in the ears really it was by grace and grace alone all right uh, then the last thing to do is to figure out the psalm. Uh, psalm for Septuagesima is, uh, you might have guessed from the intro, it's Psalm 18, um, which is not in uh, the hymnary. It's not found there. Um, so I've got to find a, an alternate uh, hymn to sing here that's uh, at least thematically cognate <laughs> to uh, Psalm 18. Um, there, there are some that uh, are a little more confident. Um, but I'm wondering if Psalm 42 might be better because it's got that longing idea for, for God that Psalm 18 had. Um, Psalm 42 is, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. And um, I'd, I'd like to have a tone three 
for for this Sunday because that's the the more penitential tone. But this one has tone four, which I don't think is 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 bad either. But so it would go. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. And it goes on. We're thirsting for this. We're we're um, longing for God. We uh, are are poured out. Um, but then it ends. You know. Uh, in verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So um, I think Psalm 42 is is what we're going to do here, um, which is on pages 179 and 180 in the hymnary. And it goes to, to tone four. So that is going to be our service for Septuagesima. Uh, I, I hope uh, you're as excited for that as I am. We're entering into um, one of my favorite seasons, the Lenten season. I, and that might sound a little funny uh, to say, but it is so rich in, in drawing our eyes very clearly uh, toward the, the cross of Christ, but beyond to the empty tomb of Christ. And that's really what it's all about. Easter is coming. That's, that's what Lent is, is for now. Um, you know, I, I, I said that uh, with this, this emphasis on the book of Exodus, we're going to be wandering through uh, in bondage, looking for the redemption of God. But the thing is, uh, in, even in this Lenten season, we're Christians who live in the New Testament era after Christ has already risen. So we do this. We return to this penitence, this repentance knowing that it's already won, knowing that we have this grace. And that emphasis comes right here with Septuagesma. Even as we're longing, even as we're suffering, even as we're in difficulty, we know we've won the race. We know God gives us his inexpressible grace. And he gives it to us in Jesus Christ. That's the confidence that we're beginning with this pre-Lent season with and uh, the same uh, concept that we'll go into the Lent season with as well. So uh, you can uh, follow the show, find uh, information uh, about it and, and give comments or feedback at uh, tapestryradio.org slash Lord's House. Uh, you can find information about uh, my church, Our Saviors, and Albert Lee at OurSaviorsELS.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, so please continue to, to discuss and, and give feedback on these things. Uh, but until we meet again, peace be within you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.